1: I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete joined by Mike. No Darius today. And yesterday the Miami Heat took a one nothing lead over Boston with a 118 to 107 win, which were, were more points than I expected, certainly. And we got a bit of a plot twist right before the game. Uh, coming in, both teams were relatively healthy with the exception of Kyle Lowry. You had a few guys on Miami's injury report. And some guys who had been banged up for Boston as well in the Milwaukee series. But we thought going into the game, it was just going to be Lowry out amongst the main players. And then both Al Horford, due to health and safety protocols, and then Marcus Smart, due to an ankle issue that happened during that Milwaukee series, were both out. So two starters go out. Mike, I think a decent portion of this pod is going to be parsing out what is real from the first game and what translates when those guys come back. But Boston's lack of depth is something that you had pointed out earlier in these playoffs. What kind of impact does losing those two guys you think have on a team like Boston? Well,
2: this is one of the things that sucks about the NBA when you have an injury is that since there's just five players on the court, losing someone even of pretty high role player significance can make the whole difference in a series. And if you think about it from a Lakers standpoint, there are countless examples. We have to go through all of them. The first one that popped in my mind was, you know, Bynum and Ariza in the 2008 finals against Boston. And just that series being a little closer than everybody remembers. And, you know, if you had some of that toughness and size in the wing and Ariza, and if you had a little bit more beef and skill in the paint. So, and then other teams, of course, can make all these same claims. But because of what we know, as that headline came through, And it was like, oh, Smart and Horford are both out for game one. I immediately I'm like, oh, okay, Miami wins this one. You know, it's to me, it was that simple. And I thought that Boston actually was impressive early. Oh, yeah. The first quarter, it was, let's see, 28, 25 Celtics. And then they end up outscoring them by five in the second quarter. And so they go into the they go into the the locker room up eight and had led by as many as 13 uh, Mm -hmm. at different points. And I think that. Another truth that we know that happens, Pete, in the NBA playoffs is that a team can't help the human nature element of, okay, Boston isn't their full selves today. So this is some kind of an advantage. And I thought Miami relaxes way is too strong of a word, sure. but they weren't. Their typical selves. And I texted a couple of my heat buddies at halftime and said, Okay, Spo's gonna get into them, right? Butler's gonna whatever, but they're gonna come out and they're gonna be different in the third quarter. And I assume that you saw that.
1: I did. That was certainly a factor. But I think that there's another element where game ones have a certain feel out process, especially when you get to this point in the playoffs where you just played another team and got used to playing them. And so Boston plays with more force and a different type of force than Philadelphia does. Right. Obviously, they've, they've got Embiid and they've got big guys on the yeah, wing. And Boston well. tries hard. <laughs> yeah. No. Yes. And it's true. And like it, Philly doesn't yes. play that
2: hard. You know, it's well, – yeah.
1: Some guys on That's Philly don't simple. play that hard. Right? You simple. got like you but, got you got yeah. Danny Danny Green and, and Tyball and like even a guy like Harris is gonna play hard. And Bede played very as until he got gassed, right? Most
2: of the time, but yeah, but even just even a significant like when one guy like Harden sure. plays a certain way, it just yes. can't help but impact the rest of the team. And it's you can you can lose focus basically against Philly for periods of time and be totally fine. And yes. I don't think you can do the same against Boston.
1: It does. Uh, y- yes, yes. That said though I I think there's an a, an element outside of the focus component where Boston is faster they are faster and more athletic than Philly is. Philly's a slower team than they are and one of the things that I noticed in that first half where Boston was scoring very easily they had 62 points at halftime was they were beating Miami defenders like on their first dribble right like or on their first step And I I noticed a couple of defenders. There's a play on the left wing where Tatum had the ball and uh, Vincent was on him. And Vincent was like surprised that Tatum caught it and went. And that's something that – that's what Boston does is they're very aggressive at attacking the basket, especially off of the dribbling. they've got – their two best guys are – they have a ton of size and athleticism relative to their ball handling ability. Um, and so that was something that, along with Robert Williams, I thought played wonderfully, especially in that that first half. But there was a certain amount of – even a guy like Williams is so different as a center than Embiid. He's a lob threat. He's going to roll hard. Embiid's more of an on-ball scorer at this point of his career, who will pick and roll some, but that's not really the main thing he does. And so I thought there was a certain level of like, oh, crap, that we're not in Kansas anymore type of thing that I I thought Miami defensively made some adjustments at halftime. And we'll get into that in a bit. But I, I do think that there's a certain feeling out like you're playing a new team now and you're playing new players who have new tendencies and new like ways of, of looking to attack.
2: And I just realized I didn't really answer part of your first question, which was about Boston's depth and my concern uh, yeah yeah there and so Daniel Tice you know pretty good player overall for for a backup big but not to the level certainly of hell of Al Horford and so Horford misses this game Tice is a minus 16 and that's while going four for five from the field you know four rebounds like his counting stats are fine that's that's actually like oh okay that's kind of productive you had a couple of dunks a couple of assists no turnovers but they're just not the same team. And then Aaron e. Smith plays eleven minutes. He basically hadn't played yet in the playoffs. He had uh, he did have three blocks somehow, but he
1: was really good on defense. Mike, yeah. like I was, I was like, holy crap, this guy was. So that's one of the things too. Like my little bit of pushback is several of the replacements or a couple of the guys that got minutes or more minutes than they would have were actually pretty good. Well, but, so,
2: but here's the thing. Though. So Pritchard is another one, right? So Pritchard hits four threes and ends up scoring eighteen points, but. Boston, the whole reason why I think they're so devastating defensively is that they truly switch everything one through five with Marcus Smart in the game. And all of a sudden you can't do that. If it's Peyton Pritchard mm-hmm. or even if it's Nismith or Tice to the same degree, it's just that. even, Yeah. Yeah. And White at least replaces some of it. Like if he's a he's your guy coming off the bench, he's a terrific defender. Right? Yeah, if but he's your he's, like
1: worst physical defender on your in your yeah. rotation, like you're pretty good.
2: And so that to me just that's the difference, right? That's the difference. So they instead of that Pritchard, while he was effective, and he ends up only being a minus one because he is hitting threes and he's you know, making some good plays, but they were targeting him and they mm-hmm. were able to go at him and they were able to score on him. And Jimmy Butler, by the way, is able to do that. And Jimmy was just predatory in this game, and that was my that he was my caveat. As we talked about Miami, you talked about how much you love them. And I said, if Jimmy gets back to what we've seen before in the postseason, which he was not playing like in the regular season, then they're different. You know, then that is a team that can get to the finals and can even win the finals. And I think now, Pete, with this like we'll see. So Horford, is he gonna be back by game four? I don't know. Is Marcus Smart? Does he have a chance to play in game two? If they don't, then Miami's winning the series. If they do come back, then I still give Boston a shot. And and I think that Tatum is that good. I think that they When they can employ their full defense, all of that is good. But maybe what they need, Pete, is a little bit of electric lemonade. That (laughs)
1: might—I was wondering if
2: that would come up. That might be the thing that could spark them.
1: (laughs) Indeed, spark them. Indeed. So yesterday was our first day back at the office as an organization, like in full, and we had this big old meeting. It was, you know, throughout the day, and it was great. And as part of it, with Pete. Yep. Yep. And it, w- it was funny because like we're sitting there at the table uh, talking hoops, and we're talking about this series, and I'm like, God, I wish they had Lowry. Right? It's before the the Celtics game, and uh, Nick Nick Kioski, who longtime uh, Lakers behind the scenes on the you know working on the site and Legend. Uh, yes, my and, my
2: initial boss brought me to brought me to the Lakers along with Ty Now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So Nick is like, Do y'all ever like save this for the pod? And I'm like. It, and, and we're, and we're like, see, we have this ongoing conversation throughout the day in which we give a window of like 30 minutes into it. But, uh, yeah. yeah well, the was, initial
2: framing from Nick was more like, wait, hold on. You guys, do you guys talk like this all the time? Or is yeah. this, we like, like, yeah, this, this yeah. is how we talk to each other. I mean, yes. we don't, we we also talk about other things like your families and uh, things like that, but we, yeah, we basically just talk like this all the time.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's, it's weaved in. It's always yeah, lurking yeah. not, not too far away. It's and just, so, it's the
2: same thing when I, this is how, when I'm on the bus with Michael, right? Like that's, that's the same way that we used to talk on the radio show. That's just always how we talk. That's just yes. sort of our, that's, that's how it is. Yeah.
1: It's great. It's great. And so we're sitting at the at the table and there's five or six of us and one of the drinks that they had available for us was it's called charged and it's this like strawberry lemonade, but it's caffeinated. And it's, uh, and so I was like, yeah, I'll try that. I didn't have any coffee or anything. I could use a little, little boost. And so I'm the only person at the table that's got this little special strawberry lemonade and I drink it. And every time I drink it, it's like when, you know, when you're wearing socks and you like scoot across the uh, the carpet and then you touch someone and zzz, gets that little. Every time I drink it, there's this little like zap and I'm like, I'm sitting here drinking this and I'm like, am I, is this actually happening? And so each drink, I'm like, this actually, this drink actually does this. And so I'm, everybody else is having this conversation about, you know, something else. And I'm like, you guys, like this, this freaking drink zaps you when you drink it. And Mike like kind of bemusedly is like looking at me like, okay, okay, yeah, sure. And so I'm like, I get up and I get Mike a drink. And I get him some of this lemonade. And what happened, Mike, when you you took that? I'll tell you after the break. We're
0: driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And listeners of this show will get a seventy-five dollar sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash blue wire. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
2: Look, Pete. I know that people were just on the edge of their seats wondering what happened when I tried the lemonade. And I thought we have to take advantage and get a, an add in here. I mean, I did get an initial shock. I did. And it was surprising. Uh, so I didn't think you were lying. I just didn't think it was going to affect me to that degree. It did wane subsequently to the first. Yeah, shot.
1: we had different experiences with this, yeah. but but yeah. I've never had a drink that Electrically so yeah, our electric lemonade experience yeah. uh yes. Yeah, so was we fun. need to look
2: at those ingredients and um you know, back to basketball.
1: <laughs> yes. So some charge, yeah. Second half rolls around. It's sixty two to fifty four. I was I was watching uh footage of Miami versus Boston two years ago in the conference finals in the bubble. And every single game both teams scored 100 plus points. And I was wondering how many times that was going to happen in this series. And so far, we're one for one in large part because of that first half. That third quarter comes around, and Miami Miami shows on the defensive end why they're special. They turned Tatum over six times in that quarter. And this is something, Mike, that when we think about, I agree with your points about being able to switch everything, and there are fewer targetable guys. And that's what, when you have Smart andor Horford back, you lose that. Like, I don't think Miami scores 118 again, especially if those guys are back. But I do think that that third quarter and second half does speak to a legitimate weakness that Boston has. Whenever I watch them, and obviously I'm rooting against them, I'm like, get up into these dudes, like ball pressure them and make them – Dribble the ball yes. under pressure with like why ball didn't denial. Javon,
2: why didn't Javon Carter Javon play Carter. last series, you know, over Grayson Allen or somebody who could just pressure the ball and yeah, it, just do it, something like that. Like exactly. it, done that, you
1: know? Exactly. And this is, you have to make teams pay quote unquote for the decisions that they make even lineup or lineup wise. Right. And so one of the things that Boston decides to do is be like, Hey, we're not really going to have a point guard. Last time these two teams played Kemba was in the mix they decided they changed this was the year where uh or one of the years where Horford was gone and so they basically exchanged Kemba for for Horford and it's mostly the same dudes and that you know you you decide we're going to get a lot bigger but with an Al Horford we still have a good degree of ball handling and Tatum Brown and Smart have all gotten a lot better with their handles since they've gotten into the league and a lot better with their decision making But Mike, it's still not what they naturally do. And so every other team, I think, has a more comfortable ball handler, dribbler as their like best guy. And so I've been, but the thing is like, what is Brooklyn going to do to Boston? Are they going to get up into them defensively? Of course not. Is Milwaukee going to do that? You can do that individually with Drew and Wes, but their, their scheme overall is to hang back into the paint and protect the paint. That's not Miami, though. Miami's going to ball pressure you. They're going to dig down from one pass away. They're going to jump passing lanes or they're going to play ball denial. And a lot of these things are the things that Boston is wonderful at defensively. And so there was that stretch, Mike. It was just a deluge, like a 20, 22 to 2 run where. Boston wasn't even getting a shot up and that ball handling will be distributed a little bit more when smart and or Horford are back, but they still don't have like one guy where that's why they're in the league. That's the main thing that they do. And I think that that plays into what Miami does well. So I think that that is, I think that that has more staying power than the, Oh, we're just going to target Peyton Pritchard for 18 minutes a game.
2: I think it's a really good point. It's it really is. It's a, if you think about the, miami heat against the lakers two years ago or in the 2020 finals that lakers team didn't have that type of weakness where miami could pray in it now maybe a little bit right they did win two games and even though the lakers were a better team like they did take it to six but ultimately that lakers team was more versatile than this boston team and they (laughs) had a few more options and they had more like in the form of a d they had more size that could really punish and and restrict not just Butler but bam, and Boston has that when Williams is in the game um to an extent, but Williams isn't hurting you in the same way in the other end he's hurting you with lobs and he was all over the rim early, but again, he's just a different player from anthony davis and then of course the the ultimate equalizer there is lebron where and that's I think where tatum is is going not to get to actual LeBron level but in terms of being like a top five player but there is Mm -hmm. still that weakness where you could pressure him and Butler could be all over him, and he is going to turn the ball over that much. LeBron's turnovers are usually more like, you know – Trying to pass a guy to the rim and the other guy isn't seeing it quite at the same level of brilliance. Or, or a little careless sometimes, right? But it's not like sure. you don't force LeBron into making seven turnovers too often, right?
1: Well, because LeBron is a passer. That is part. That's always been a yeah. part of his identity. Very rarely does like players improve at both their strengths and their weaknesses. But what they fundamentally are when they enter the league is pretty much what they're going to be for the rest of their career. And so Tatum has developed that. He's gotten better as a decision maker. He's gotten better as a ball handler. This is true of Jalen Brown as well. But one of the things is they have kind of overlapping weaknesses where Brown was having a hard time with the ball pressure with the, and so it's like on, on a lot of teams, the Lakers, for example, that title team with LeBron and AD, if they really zeroed in on doing something that was meant to limit LeBron saying, put two on the ball ad offers something different than what lebron does just the nature of how he plays and whereas with if if you're able to ball pressure and ball deny against boston you can make life more difficult on both tatum and brown at the same time now guys like horford and smart will be pressure releases and and we'll see that's that's the place where it's like it might not matter they might have enough collective ball handling but what do you think do you need Mike, like what do you need from your main guy that has the ball in his hands in this level of, of of series in terms of the ball handling, the decisions he has to make, just like the orchestrating of the whole show? Well, that is the point,
2: though. I think that Boston needs the full deck uh, and their their full deck is eight guys. You know, it's not 10. And that makes a difference. Yeah. And so if you're so it's back to that original point that I don't want to repeat, but I don't think that they can overcome what Miami brings defensively. And I don't think they can be as good defensively in order to get those types of stops and or turnovers. Like Jimmy Butler has no business, you know,
1: score, getting to the free throw line 18 times. He's he, he has he has that grifter part that you don't like, Mike. What yeah. with all, while also having the skills, but he he knows how to do it, man. It's part he of is, why he's good in the playoffs.
2: I though although I, it's never so. Let me let me make sure I'm making a distinction here because I have no problem with the way that Jimmy Butler gets to the free throw line. Like he's, so he is, he does it a little bit more genuinely like LeBron or like Kobe where like I'm big, I'm strong. I'm, I'm hurtling my body into you. I'm forcing contact. I'm forcing, but I'm not grabbing your left arm while I go up and then kicking my foot out. And so that to me is, there is a difference there. And so I'm not, what I'm saying is that, Against a defense that is whole in this, which is a great defense in Boston, the best defense in the league this year, he, they're just they're going to be better organized and better able to sustain those attacks than they were when they had a couple of weaker players in. And and by the way, like their weaker players aren't we aren't bad defenders. So this is still even like Pritchard competes. He's small, but he's not awful. Uh, and then no. you, know, T- you know Tice. You already mentioned Nismith. So this is still a team that's good. But I just thought that they were out of sync then. Because the the units that have been so good for Boston have been pretty consistent other than the one game that Smart missed uh, against Milwaukee. So I'm um, I, I don't it's less fun, though, to look at to look at a series and just think it all depends on, OK, well, if this guy gets back or if he doesn't, you'd rather have the basketball, the actual X's and O's be the things, the, the adjustments game to game, you know, as opposed to just like a whole a, a guy being out is such a massive adjustment.
1: It's, that's certainly the case, and unfortunately, we've we've been kind of struck by a lot of injuries the last few years of the playoffs. The one thing I'd say though about this series is that it cuts both ways. Like in the six minutes and forty seconds that Jimmy Butler wasn't on the floor, Miami got outscored by fourteen points in a game that they already won by eleven. Right? He was yeah, a plus. he played
2: forty one minutes and he was a plus twenty five. Yeah.
1: Right, and so part of Miami's part of the reason why they get their butts kicked in those non-Jimmy minutes is because Lowry is out. Right. And even if he individually is not some remarkable player, he's an organizer. He's going to help you get a good shot, run a a good play. He's going to rotate on defense and be the responsible adult. Right. And so that, that does cut both ways. And he's supposedly closer to coming back. I'd like him to come off of the bench when he does, but yeah, but that said, this is the, this is where we are in this series
2: yeah so I just gave Vincent though I thought was great and so he's he's been enough of a different you know different type of player in some ways than Lowry but he's been enough of an approximation where that plug-in is sort of fine and because Lowry Lowry hasn't been himself for a while you know on he he just hasn't really been healthy and his second half of the year wasn't as good um as his first half and he's older So Mm -hmm. I don't I don't see Lowry as being the reason that right that Miami was the one seed as much as sort of their collective and Mm -hmm. and what he brought to that. So what I thought was the last point I'll make about Miami, Tyler Hero, he's also able to to find the game that was lacking some for him in the previous series, because when he was like, and that's I think also because with Horford out and with smart out, there were a couple of guys that he could deal with. And I think you can cut him off some if they have their full health and make it more difficult like he scored what he scored 37 two years ago against boston most of Mm -hmm. that was by getting kemba walker out on switches so i mentioned earlier that jimmy butler was getting uh and i think i misspoke it was butler got a little bit with pritchard but really it was hero who was able to do some work um against pritchard and that goes away if it's marcus smart goes away is too strong he can still hit some tough shots but it's harder for him so that's that that remains to be seen if he can keep that up
1: It does, and that's part of – it's funny because Miami – I was talking about the collective ball handling of Boston. When Jimmy's – that's the thing, though, is they, they've still got Jimmy to, to go to. But outside of Jimmy, their shot making and who's our scorer on the floor right now is kind of a shared responsibility that anyone from a Gabe Vincent can. Oh, Gabe Vincent's having a good night tonight and, or Max Struess or, you know, uh, even a guy like Oladipo has had a, a few double digit games in these playoffs. The thing about Lowry, though, is that like he's the one organizer like you don't give the ball like hey, Gabe Vincent, run our sets against boston's ball pressure and in, and in, in this type of caliber of series so it's one of those things that as as you know mike it's one of my it's a basketball attribute that i value is the ability to handle the ball and miami's ability to swarm and their ability to share the ball handling and shot making on the other end is something that as a collective i'm, I'm just really Im- impressed by them let's switch gears in the last segment and talk about the upcoming western conference finals All right, Mike, we got a bit of an unexpected conference finals, got the three seed in Golden State, which I don't think people were surprised about. But Dallas is here as well. And Dallas is, is surging. When you look at this series, what what stands out to you?
2: Well, Dallas was always the team that couldn't be dismissed because of how great Luka is and because they have Jason Kidd has come in and convinced everybody else to just play their ass off on defense, to slow down, to take the shots that come to them, but not those that don't. You know, to not they just play a, a smart contained team game and and it works and they're tough to score on. And Luka is so good in the half court that they're just never sped up. You know, they're they're perfectly content to to win 80 to 76 if they have to. But they can they can go off and score and hit a ton of threes uh, in in a different sense. So they haven't really needed much from their bigs. Like, you know, Dwight Powell, who starts and just doesn't really like he'll set some screens and occasionally get a dunk. But Maxi Kleber um, is another kind of good player, but they don't need him on on every given night to do too much. So they're just they're just fitting into what the plan has been. And it revolves so much around Luca. And usually what happens is that you run into a team that's got sort of one more higher level star. And then that throws off the balance of what that team can do. And with Golden State to get to get to this specific matchup, they just have not been inspiring, right, in the way that they were early in the season. And we talked about it a little bit, Pete. I think that Steph not being full nuclear Thor type God, Steph is just, that's part of it. Draymond being a little bit lessened offensively is part of it. Clay trying to fight his way back to full Clay while Jordan Poole is there on the bench. It's just... It hasn't been as cohesive, you know, and so that showed up, I think, in their first two playoff series where, you know, they won, like they beat Denver pretty easily, but Denver was really bad for a playoff team other than Jokicu yeah. was historic. They just, the personnel with all of their injuries, you know, was was just not there. So that was hard to take that seriously. And then Memphis, who's a, a really good team and, but didn't have Ja. And then even after jaw goes out, it, it was As good as that team was, Pete, it's still you just expected Golden State to be a little bit more fluid. So Mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard to look at a a playoff series and not just over not almost overvalue the previous matchups. And the the worst example for this was 2008 when the Lakers just sailed through the Western Conference and Boston got taken to seven seemingly every game. And you so you probably at that time I was still covering the Timberwolves. If, if I can get your quick take on that to transition into that, because I just think that's an interesting overall playoff topic and then we can get back to the specifics of this matchup.
1: Yeah, no, that was absolutely the case. We had a great series against the Spurs that we where we beat them in five. And I think that they were the one seed that year. That said, I I didn't expect to beat the Celtics in that. And I, I know this is probably an unpopular Lakers take. And trust me, I wish I didn't have it. But I don't think we win that series, even with Bynum and Ariza. Um, but Yeah, those the way that's what's fun about the playoffs, though, Mike, is like that the way you match up with that team across from you. Like Steph Curry poses a different problem for Dallas than any other player that they've played against. Luca poses a different problem for Golden State than any other player that they've played against, and even beyond the top line guys like Jordan Poole on both ends of the floor, like he's a different type of player than Dallas has had to defend as well, but he's also very targetable by Dallas and that's ultimately when in bringing it back to to the to this series that I I may have a blind spot for Golden State and maybe they'll they'll win this series and but I see a guy in Luca that is going to pick that has several different guys to choose from that he can score on that range from a Jordan Poole, Steph Curry to the big guy to to a big guy like Looney. And He's not the only guy that they have that can create, like I thought Dallas did a great job, Mike of addressing the re- addressing the reasons why they lost in previous playoffs. When you watched those series, they lost because they could not score when Luca was not on the floor. Like they completely fell off a cliff whenever Luca wasn't on the court. And so now you got a Dinwiddie and Brunson that just, they provide something, you know what I mean? It's not, and obviously they had Brunson last year, but they've got more, uh, they've got more of that with the addition of Dinwiddie and in, in, as well. And so, They address that, and then just defensively, they're so much better, and they're better in a way, Mike, that I think is challenging for Golden State because Golden State is so good at carving you up on the perimeter, but Dallas has a bunch of really agile guys who are going to make their rotations. They trap a ton, which I think Steph, as he gets older, is going to continue to have more problems with. But that said, every argument that pops up into my mind when I think, how's this going to go, is anti-Golden State. And I haven't thought that highly of them in the first place before your enthusiasm waned for them. Can you make some pro-Golden State arguments, arguments for me in this series?
2: Yeah, because going into the playoffs you know, and in really, I think, especially early in the playoffs when Phoenix looked to be not just the Booker hamstring injury. But Phoenix just wasn't looking quite the same in that New Orleans series. And yeah. meanwhile, Golden State was pretty easily handi- handling Denver. And they weren't playing that great, but still, they were winning the games. And that was, to me, it was like, okay, hold on. So maybe Golden State is the new favorite um, in the West. And this was this was when Luka also had yet to come back and show that he was going to be fully healthy with his calf strain. And, mm-hmm. and that was the time period where – and I think the Las Vegas odds, quite frankly, reflected it too. I think that that, that shifted. So then, but things start to shift as Luka comes back, they win those two home games. And now you think, all right, well, hold on. Now, now Dallas is in this mix, and then Golden State continues to struggle. And that's what I was talking about before. So now I'll get to your question about Golden State and sort of what they're, why they're still dangerous. And, you know, I think the first thing about them, they do have the nice big wing size. Now, the issue is I push back against my own point. Is that in trying to create these lineups to get Jordan Poole out there and to get Jordan Poole out there with Steph, all of a sudden, as, as much as Steph has improved as a defender, and I think everybody saw the clip where some reporter called him a two-way player and he celebrated it. You know, if it's Steph and Jordan Poole, all of a sudden, you're not a great defense just by nature of having two guys out there. Mm-hmm. And and then if Jordan Poole isn't out there, well, then you need Klay Thompson to be Klay Thompson of a couple of years ago. And in the regular season, Pete, it, this just this wasn't as much of a of a point of concern. And I think that's where some of the confidence yeah. that Golden State yeah. had. But it's when you get down into these series and you start to think about targeting players and you start to think about what made Golden State really great in the past is that Steph was almost always the only guy out there you know that that you were mm-hmm. looking at defensively because it was Iguadala, you know, playing those big minutes. It was Clay, who at, at the time, a, a top defender. It was Draymond, Mm -hmm. and then you know the other guy could have been Livingston. Obviously, when Mm -hmm. Kevin Durant, that's just a whole other story, right? That's just a complete wrap. It was Harrison Barnes in that early run, so they never got into that model that I don't like, which is the two smaller guards, which is the Dame and CJ, you know, or the Mitchell and Conley, or the thing that Mm -hmm. doesn't work in the postseason, the, the Chris Paul when he's been paired with somebody else like Jamal Crawford or whoever it was early. So that part of me was the. That's the part that I think we didn't see as much in the regular season. Um, And now that we're seeing it more in the playoffs that they can't just play. Like if they sit pool and it's Curry, you know, Otto Porter, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green and and Kevon Looney, then I'm, I'm pretty interested in that. And then pool as more of kind of the classic sixth man. Okay. But they seem to want to have it be more like pool getting 30 plus minutes, you know, and then they're not the same defensively, but they're a little bit more dynamic offensively. So if, if, If Porter, let me to wrap up my long point. If you can get more of those minutes from Porter, you can get something from Kaminga. You're going to be like Looney, you're actually playing more. And Dallas can't complete, like Luka can't completely destroy Looney. And he's at least sort of staying somewhat solid. But then that's where I hit my, some of my optimism about and why I'm picking Dallas to win the series, right? That's where that comes in. And it's not that Golden State, can't do that. I just don't I don't have that for sure lineup that I know I can trust in the same way, um, you know, with what my concern is about that kind of Wiggins, Clay, Otto Porter trio, as opposed to some of the big wings that they've had around Steph in the past. And and that's that's how I, I think I would sum it up.
1: I, I think that's that's spot on. And I think that one of the ways that manifests is when you've got small guards and a not terribly mobile big, that pretty much dictates that you're going to be in a drop coverage. And so a guy like Looney, you're not going to switch a guy like Looney onto Luca all of that often. But that said, when like Luca's a drop killer, like it's very difficult to run drop coverages against Dallas. You also can't really trap him. Right. Right. And so this is... When you talk and then so okay, well, why don't we switch? Well, they've got several guys that you can hunt, they've got the small guards. As much as Steph has is always, I think, really been an underrated defender. Like, what is Steph gonna guard Luca one-on-one? Of course not. Is Jordan Poole gonna do that? Of course not. And so, okay, switching doesn't come, you know, work that well. Then trapping, well, now you've got four on threes everywhere. You got four smart players between Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi Kleba and all the guys that Brunson and all them dudes that Dallas has. Somebody – a very good tall shooter is going to get a pretty good open shot from three if you trap Luka. And so there's a certain amount – now, this isn't going to manifest itself every single possession and and Golden State will certainly get some defensive wins. But when I flip that on the other end, Mike – there's not anybody on Golden State where I'm like, that guy can get the shot that they want to get whenever they want to get it. And I don't say that to diminish Steph, but he's someone that, especially with the way that kid likes to trap and, and put two on the ball, it, like there's not that. Well, what do you do against Golden State thing on the other end of it? That, but again, we've made some, I've, I've made so many arguments like kind of against Golden State here that I, I feel like I have a blind spot. There's something that I'm not seeing in Golden State that I, I'm, I'm curious what what it might be.
2: Well, Steph taking his game back up, you know, to to a certain other other level and being as fearsome in certain ways as Luca has, but that's the thing that we haven't seen yet in this postseason, and it's hard to think that they can conjure that up. But you know,
1: well, it, it, it's also my like. Steph isn't as much the kind of guy where it's like, Steph, let's just give you the ball. Yeah, Make they it don't happen. just run, they
2: don't just haven't run a, a million screen rolls throughout the game. But, yeah, one of the reasons that I wish Darius I'd like to get his opinion on this in terms of scheme. Yeah. And you you were talking about it a little bit. I think what I would do is just switch and say, fine, if you want to hunt, you know, whether whether it's Jordan Poole or whatever, and just let Luca like you, that's what you're gonna have to do, though. You're gonna have to get 40. Every game, we're not going to we're not going to trap. We're not going to leave shooters wide open uh, in the corners, except for the guy, maybe the occasional guy that we want to shoot. And I get it that that's not always that's not necessarily a recipe for success um, to let Luca do that. But just hope that he wears down some over the course of a series. And and that might be what I would do.
1: I think that that being a reasonable, a perfectly reasonable point of view, like let Luca kill you, like kind of speaks to some of the dilemmas that golden state has on the it's, defensive it's like LeBron, end, because even
2: that's how we used to have to talk sure. you just talk about lebron in the playoff series you know just it, now the difference being that lebron early in his career wasn't going to sh- hit you over the top as much as luca can yeah but yeah. but lebron also was a little bit more forceful um even than luca right in in certainly in transition and um in finishing at the rim but yeah that's dallas is just uh here you back to your point yeah
1: I think what I would do, I think the best of not great options is the the trap and rotate. Like I'm more under the the idea like I'm not gonna let Luca get whatever he wants. And I know these guys are good shooters, but if a kleba or a DFS or Bertans, like if they can get knockdown threes with my guys closing out to them, like I don't know, I'd rather lose that way than than like letting Luca get his. Because I, I like to me, if you're like, oh Luca, you're gonna have to get forty. Luca's gonna be like, great, <laughs> you give me single coverage against Steph and Jordan Poole. I will be happy to give you forty.
2: Yeah, I, that's. Uh, I'm just thinking that over the course of a series, if they have to beat Golden State four times. And you're still doing what Phoenix did to some success early in that series and then wasn't able to do as much, but where you're mm-hmm. making Luca be more involved defensively. And, Ooh, good call. you know, yeah, and so good call. you're, you're basically, this is the same thing that I think teams have done to James Harden in the past, although he's not to the level of Luca and LeBron. He was beating teams by himself offensively, you know, including in playoff games. And that's more what I'm saying is that try to not just let Luca like, attack jordan Poole and Steph Curry because guess what you're not going to have i wouldn't play those two guys together as much in yeah. this series and so if he wants to just keep trying like make it harder and this is where draymond and his intelligence can come in and this is where even clay mm-hmm. defensively and where okay we, it seems like we're going to let you just we're going to switch this but then once in a while when you do if you keep doing it to stuff then you're going to see somebody else and we're going to bake this rotation in and sure. and again, this is this is above my pay grade as to how to figure that out defensively. But I'm just trying to I'm trying to wear Luca down. I guess is is my point. Other than just let him play and let him involve Finney Smith a, a certain night with a bunch of open threes, and then he's involving gotcha. Brunson a certain amount, and then Dinwood like he, where he is sort of orchestrating the whole thing. I'm gonna try to make I'm gonna try to force Luca uh, to do uh, to wear down as the series goes on. But since I I think. Since I have to talk myself into it, that's why I'm picking Dallas.
1: Sure, sure. No, and I think that's a brilliant point that we were talking about, you know, uh that that topic of endurance and fitness that we were talking about recently, where if you're asking Luca to be the on-ball scorer every time, kind of like Giannis was, that's the closest uh thing so far in these playoffs where it's like you just give the ball to that dude every time. If you're asking him to do that, do that, and you're targeting him on defense every single play or close to it. You may not see the the benefits of that right away, but there is a progressive benefit to that that I think is one of the stronger attack arguments for Golden State versus Dallas. Maybe, and after all of this – Go ahead, go ahead. No, no. And after all of this and all of the – oh, what's Golden State going to do? They're probably going to win tonight, right? Because that's how the basketball gods work.
2: Well but- – I don't think the basketball gods work by based on if you and I say something, then they're going to reward the other team. That's, um, that's so, a good point. So no. Yeah,
1: we, we, we're not the main characters, yeah. are we, Mike?
2: But I do. No. Th- I do think that this also sounds it's kind of like a half baked idea. But if I can, if I can put Steph and Poole, especially on Brunson and Dinwiddie and just encourage those guys. You know, so like, hey, mm. look at this, look at this mismatch that Brunson has, and then just sort of hope that Luca then, you know, is doing less. Um, maybe I try to do that also, but yeah, I don't know, man.
1: Yeah, I think Brunson. I don't know. I think Br- Brunson eats against small guards like that. Yeah, he hey, does, you picking but on Chris Paul. Like, do I want that more
2: than I want Luca eating? I don't know. That goes that, against counter to my previous theory, but these are all things we're workshopping.
1: It's it's fun. That's part of the fun of this. It's not necessarily to arrive at the right answer. It's a it's the discussion in between where I think we learn a lot. So this was fun. Got a, another game one tonight. We'll be back tomorrow with the, the full crew. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room podcast. We'll catch you guys next time.
0: James has got it in low to Mikhail. Mikhail wants to turn. double team. Just pass out of front. Broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires It's again. The line. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. No! 48 points, sixteen rebounds, with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record.
2: A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this.
0: You're seeing something that's very rare indeed—a Laker to get MVP chance in, right, in, in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me, Toby. Hard to
1: believe. Are you kidding
2: me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol, pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's it's the move.
0: Two, one, missing. One, three, four, the It's over. Shot popping out of five. Bryant. Yeah.